Uh, Matthew 2 is divided really into two halves. Um, Christ revealed and Christ persecuted. Um, And uh, uh, we're benefiting somewhat from a very nervous young preacher in Wittenberg in the 16th century. Can you imagine finishing your seminary years and being assigned as a kid to be Martin Luther's pastor? Um, When uh, young Mr. Weller uh, was assigned to Wittenberg to be the castle church preacher, um, he panicked so badly that, which benefits us in a way, that he could not bring himself to write or preach a single sermon without Luther basically walking him through every single step. He was so terrified. So Luther took it on himself to do what, what he, and, and many, many professors would share their notes with students as they were heading out into the world. Fine. But this kid had to be, had to have Luther at his feet, if you can imagine that, listening. And I'm not sure that Luther, you know, when Deutschlander used to sit in our pews and listen to me preach, and there are other professors that I respect and had in class who to this day listen to me preach, you know, like, like this, you know, and, and different things, and, and you get kind of used to it after a while. I don't know what Luther did when, when, when Weller preached, but what Weller finally begged for was if Luther could give him outlines and some notes. And uh, uh, when I bought my copy of Luther's works in English, which used to be 55 volumes because it stopped after World War II um, or during World War II because, well, anyway, uh, 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 for a very, very long time, that was the end of, the, of Luther's works. Well, now there are 60-some and they're, they're going. It's, it's starting again. So there are men who are translating Luther's works again. And two of the early volumes are Luther's notes on Matthew for Pastor Weller. Um, and I'm, I'm mentioning this because uh, Luther says some things that I had never thought of, and, and uh, as I read that, I'll pre- share some of those things with you. Um, and one of them is at the, at, uh, on the top of your sheet here, um, <clears throat> where it says 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D. So Luther points out four witnesses in Matthew's gospel to the birth of Christ. You have a star, which is this mute creature or creation of God. And then the confession of the wise men, a bunch of foreigners, the witness of the priests, that is Herod asking the priests, when will the Savior be born? And they confess from the Old Testament, so his own people confess him. And then you have the confession of uh, godless King Herod's fear. Um, So an enemy and a persecutor. So a, 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 a dumb part of creation some foreigners, his own people, and his enemy all confess him at his birth. That's a remarkable group, isn't it? Isn't that cool? I'm delighted to, to, to read that in something that I wouldn't um, have thought of. So let's go into the familiar story of the visit of the wise men, after, which is uh, what uh, festival, of course? Epiphany. Epiphany. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, When Herod was king, this is Herod the Great, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, what do we mean there by the east? Chaldea, Persia, Asia, 
the equivalent of ancient Babylon, probably, kind of, but it didn't have to be the most remote part of Babylon. It could have been pretty close by. The reason I bring that up is that traditionally, the wise men come 13 days after the birth of Christ. That's Epiphany. It's the day after the 12th day of Christmas, right? My true love gave to me. That's what that's all about, is how long it took the wise guys on their camels um, to, 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 uh, to get from there to there. Question, Beth. Thirteen days later. That's how long it took them to get there. Later than his birth. Yeah. So yeah. the wise men did visit Onevna House. Okay, never mind. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. So the, the wise men, I, I also sometimes point out to my catechism students, when in the Bible do the wise men have camels? <laughs> oh, no, they do. They do. No, it's just not these wise men. But these wise men, or Chaldeans, um, uh, earlier in the Bible, there is a guy named Job. And his camels are stolen by a raiding party of Chaldeans. <laughs> so when did, when did the Chaldeans or the wise men have camels? When they ripped off Job. That's uh, in Job chapter 1. That's, that's when that happened. But, or chapter 2, perhaps. But anyway, uh, uh, not the same wise men, of course. That's 2,000 years earlier. But anyway, I thought I would mention it. It's a fun trick question to put on a quiz, though, for a catechism for a 7th grader. So it usually wows them. Okay, so uh, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Why would they go to Jerusalem? He's king of the Jews. Where, where is he going to be born? You know, he's not going to be born in Lodi. He's going to be, or, 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 or Exonia. He's going to be born in Jerusalem, probably. So they asked, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They figured it might be even Herod's own child. Or if not Herod's child, it could have been the child of the high priest. And... Uh, Luther, in some of his other writings, likes to point that out, that Christ is not the son of Caiaphas. You know, Caiaphas is not the father of the Virgin Mary. Um, that maybe, however, Caiaphas would have liked it if his daughter had been the mother of the Messiah, but she was not. Um, so, well, they go on. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Um, uh, I think the old NIV said in the east. And I don't know what the, I didn't look up the King James Version. Um, but those two phrases are identical if you were to write them in Greek. Um, in the east when it rose because the rising of the sun happens always in the east. So it's really toward the sunrise is how you say east in Hebrew or Greek. That, that's how you say it. So how do you translate it? Well, one way or the other. We saw his star in the east. So either as it rose or in the east could also mean where we were. You know, when we were in the east, we saw his star. Because if they were in the east and saw his star in the east, then why didn't they go more easterly than they were? Because they came west, right? 
to see him. So where was this star? Well, I'm about to talk about that, but it looks like Diane has a question first. Uh, Numbers 21 or 2. It's one of Balaam's, it's Balaam's fourth oracle. A star will rise, yeah, out of, is it out of Jacob? Um, and uh, that's, the, that's the idea of the star. Um, uh, so there are, some, there, are, there are some things about Balaam that also come into this whole account, but that's one of them. God simply used him. He wasn't a believer, um, and in fact, uh, I just finished working on the book of Numbers. Balaam, of course, was killed in battle with the Israelites um, not long after he made all those prophecies. Nevertheless, the wise men were looking for a sign because what was their occupation? Astrology. They're astrologers, which in their time was synonymous with astronomers. There was no difference yet. They didn't see any difference in it. And it's possible if we roll with the idea of astrology just for a moment, that the saying, his star when it rose, um, is a way of saying that a birth is taking place or the anniversary of a famous birth, uh, which is, uh, in astrology, is, is when a star or an object in the heavens is ascendant or rising. So, and by the way, where do all stars rise from? What direction? From the east. Yeah. If you want to look for a constellation when it first is going to appear in the evening, you look east. Because it's going to travel, for, just as our sun does, from east to west. That's the way it goes. Sorry, I just did that backwards with my hand, didn't I? East to west. It's that, that away. Um, but I've always known since I was a boy that when dad goes away deer hunting and I miss him, I look east for Orion, the hunter, because he's rising at that time. And when Orion rises seven times, dad will eventually come back from deer hunting. And then he and I will take our annual trip because mom won't let him in the house until he has taken all of his clothes to the laundromat. So that was, for me, that was deer hunting waiting for dad to come home and then going to the laundromat just in time for Thanksgiving. You know, so that kind of thing. So that was, that's my memory. But so I learned my stars also uh, back in those days. But so could there be an astrological way of taking these words? The answer is no, there isn't. No, it can't be. And the reason is because when they get used again later on, it'll be gibberish. Um, in fact, Ancient astrology, terms and, and usage of ancient astrology prior to the first century AD just doesn't exist. We don't have any astrological things that, that talk about details like ascendant stars and so forth. We have zodiacs and things, that, but that doesn't make any difference. The terminology is uh, very often from astrology, um, does not help us to understand the scriptures, it's ripped off from the scriptures. It's been lifted directly out of scriptures. Why do astrologers today say that a rising star foretells a birth? Because it does in Matthew 2, not the other way around. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, let's leave that aside then. <clears throat> when King Herod heard this, he was alarmed and all Jerusalem with him. 
he gathered together all the people's chief priests and experts in the law. We had a question about chief priests in Bible class on Sunday. The chief priests were not the high priest. There was only one of them. But they were the priests who helped the high priest do his job. So one of them would have been in charge of the money coffer. And one of them would have been in charge, as David has, um, with, uh, with uh, Asaph and Heman and so forth, in charge of the various choirs and things like that. So that, that's who these men were, the chief priests. Um, and I, I have a feeling that the chief priests in the, in the first century remained the same, whereas the high priest came and went. Because the Romans kept deposing high priests. and then Because the, they're supposed to be for life. But I've got a feeling that the high priests were here to stay, whereas the chief priest might get fired and get rehired or whatever. Because um, it shouldn't have been that when Caiaphas was high priest, his father-in-law, Annas, who had been high priest earlier, would still have been alive. That shouldn't have happened. Annas should have remained high priest. But he got deposed. A couple other guys came in there. And very often it was for just a couple of years. Um, or one year, or whatever. Okay, that's the, high, the chief priests. So the chief priests and the experts of the law, experts in the law were experts in the law of Moses, that is, they were knowledgeable of the scriptures. And he asked them where the Christ was to be born. So Herod knew that there was some kind of prophecy about the Savior. He didn't have it on the tip of his tongue, but often secular leaders don't. They have to ask, you know. Sometimes our secular leaders don't even know how to hold a Bible. It looks just weird. But, uh, but he asked them, where was the Christ to be born? And they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea. Now, why say Bethlehem of Judea? Because there was a Bethlehem in Galilee. It's in the land of Zebulun. And if you're reading, for example, Joshua, which is like the gazetteer of the Old Testament. Joshua, apart from the battles, Joshua is all about the geography of Palestine. So that, that, that's how you learn. That, that's, that's how map makers and cartographers at least know which glob of city names go in what quadrant of the Holy Land. They often don't really know exactly where, but if you only have an inch and a half to write in all the names of the tribe of Asher, then if you just write the list, you're kind of done, right? You can go to lunch. So that, that's, that's kind of how that goes. But Bethlehem in Judea was very well known. Uh, have I done a good job of preaching this over the years or not? Where, if, 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 if this church is the temple in Jerusalem, where was Bethlehem? MVL. That's, that's where it is. I try to say that every Christmas in the pulpit. That if this sanctuary is the, the, is the temple in Jerusalem, then MVL is how far away and what direction and where Bethlehem was. Okay? So precisely five miles south and over a little bit. That's where, that's where Beth. And so is it walkable? Well, if, if three of my four sons can walk home from school when they miss the bus, then yeah. It's, uh, it's walkable. I was never happy about that, but sometimes they just did it. Yeah. 
So, uh, okay. So in Bethlehem of Judea, because this was written through the prophet, you bet, let's read it together. You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are certainly not least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Oh, you sounded just like a Sunday school kid on Christmas Eve. Yeah, nicely done. Um, which is Micah 5, verse 2. Yeah, the most famous passage from the prophet Micah. Um, and if you're, if you're keeping score at home, I like to keep a list of what is the most famous verse from a book of the Bible so I at least have an idea of what comes out of what book of the Bible. And some of them have a really, really useful one like Micah 5, 2. You know, some of them maybe less so, different things, but Micah 5, 2. Um, what's Hosea 6, 6? You know it. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Yeah, there you go. So they, 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 they come around. Obadiah, quick. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. I do like to teach a Hebrew word from the book of Jonah, though. Uh, have I done this for you ever? The, the, the Hebrew word, um, if I'm polite, I'll say kia, which in Hebrew is pronounced kia. And it's the word for vomit. It's what the whale does with the prophet um, in Jonah 2. It's kia. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then, although the word we all learned at, 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 in college was kikayon, which is the name of the tree that. The, the, the gourd that grows up over the prophet, then the worm eats the tree and so forth. That's Kikayon. When Herod secretly summoned the wise men and found out from them exactly where the star had appeared, or I'm sorry, then, not when, but so Herod finds out when the star had appeared. What, why do you think he's looking for when the star had appeared? You might want to know the age of the child, but Herod isn't sure if he's talking about the, I'll say the traditional 13 days, or it could have been from the child's conception, which is how many weeks does it take for a woman to have a baby? 40 weeks. 40 weeks. Um, so it could be, could be that, um, or that plus the traveling distance, right? So uh, he sent to them, or rather he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child, when you find him, report to me so that I also may go and worship him. What does Herod mean by worship? Yeah. Was Herod squeamish about killing children? Herod killed three of his own sons because they objected to Roman rule of Judea. So Caesar said, Famously, it's safer to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. And actually, Caesar was quite clever because he's is pig and heos is son. So it's almost the same word. But why did he say pig? Yeah, I mean, Herod wasn't a Jew, actually, but he was an Edomite but he was going to follow the Jewish dietary laws to, to try and fit in. So safer to be his pig than his son.
Um, okay, I may go and worship him. He doesn't mean worship. He means kill. Yeah. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. They had no reason to doubt him. How many wise men were there? I don't know. Very good. They have three gifts. Um, and, uh, or at least three gifts, Luther will say. Because would you, give a, would, you, would you give gold without gemstones and fabric? You know, maybe, maybe there were silks involved or, or, or whatever. Or you know, who knows. But, uh, so gold, at least gold. You know, frankincense, at least frankincense. Myrrh, at least myrrh. But we'll, we're going to talk about the gifts also. So they went on their way. Then the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stood still over the place where the child was. This verse tells us that the star was nothing to do with astrology, but it had everything to do with what? It was God. It was a miracle. Yeah. A star that moves. And, 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 and oh, every Christmas do we have to talk about comets and conjunctions. Who cares? They don't move five miles from up there to over there, right? I mean, why don't we talk about drones or helicopters or something that would be low enough that it, you can tell when it moves, uh, so forth. Although, no, I shouldn't have said that because there are people on the internet who want to talk about UFOs. And uh, so I'll shut my mouth. All righty. So, uh, um, until it stood over the place where the child was. Some translations have, until it stood over the house. Um, and there's talk in astrology about the house. Because in astrology you have a, a constellation in its house and so forth. But the Greek word here is just place, tapos, not, not house. And so the, the star went ahead of them would be meaningless in astrology. There's no reason to understand the star as a conjunction or a comet or anything, but as a bright object that could move in the sky to lead the Magi from Jerusalem five miles south to a house in Bethlehem where Mary was. So, by the way, why hadn't Mary gone to Jerusalem yet? How long does it take to be clean of a baby boy? Do you know this? No, it's a lot longer. Um, no, it's, it's, it's about 30 some days and it's doubled for a girl. So she, 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 she gets time to be home with him before she has to go anywhere. You have to be circumcised, but where would that happen? No, no, at home. The moil would come to your house, or you do it yourself. That just happens at home. Yeah, yeah. So the, the presentation taken to the temple happens when she's clean. So that's going to be you know a month down the road when she can go. Um, but uh, but not yet. She's ceremonially unclean. After they went to the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they bowed down and worshipped him. Um. So the, 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 these, these foreigners bow down. I did a list of this, uh, a partial list in class also on Sunday. How many times do people bow down or get on their knees or fall down before Jesus and it's actual worship? It's, it's, it's about twice. Um, there's a whole bunch of them in the Gospel of Mark. I think it's five. 
And it's usually like a guy who's demon-possessed or the rich man who wants to get something out of Jesus and goes away sad. But there's one guy, a leper, who comes and kneels down and Jesus heals him. And he really is talking about Jesus as the Savior. And then the other one who bows down falls on their knees. Well, that, that's in John. In Mark, it's actually the Roman soldiers as they're mocking him. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if in John, does Mary actually fall to her knees? She says, my Lord and my God. That could be, that could be. Another, there's also one of those in Luke. And, but then we have here too, right? That it, we, we have the wise men doing it. So it's a small group though of the ones that fall down before Jesus um, and worship him and where it's actual worship and not mockery or something else. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's just briefly talk about these. So the ancient emphasis on gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and I'm happy that this has always been my emphasis as well, but I, I didn't really read extensively about it until the, earlier this uh, last weekend, is that the gold is something that you would give to a king. Um, I mean, you might give gold if you're a husband. You might give gold to your wife, but it's more likely that you'd give silver, something you could actually afford. But gold is a gift for a king. Frankincense is not something a king would ever use, um, but rather it is something that a priest would use. You burn incense. That's entirely what it's there for. Why was, what was the practical reason for burning incense along with sacrifices? It, yeah, they smell. Yeah. I was making hamburgers last night from raw hamburger, and what suddenly was on the countertop with me? No, all of my cats. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I had to actually sacrifice a Tupperware dish as the nose slapper to keep them away from licking the hamburger I'm about to cook for my children. You know, so. Uh, and then myrrh. Myrrh is a, 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 a tree sap that is used. It's common to Arabia uh, and uh, to parts of Arabia and then India. Frankincense also comes basically from far eastern Arabia or India. Gold is not to be found in um, Persia or in Arabia at all in the desert. So all of these things they would have had to have gotten from, you know, from traders they, 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 it, was, it was an effort to get these gifts to bring to the, to the, to the Christ child. But uh, gold, uh, fit for a king, reminds us that Christ is a king. Frankincense for a priest reminds us that Christ is God, prophet, priest, and king. And the myrrh is something that you give when you are preparing someone for their funeral. And so it reminds us of his death or his sacrifice. King, God, and sacrifice are the directions I would go with what's the significance of the gifts. And notice, all the emphasis is on Christ and his work, his work on our behalf. But before I go on, I want to share a modern allegory that some of our friends may hear in their churches, which is that gold is the purity of faith, that frankincense stands for the prayers rising, and that myrrh, is all about the patient suffering and so forth, but all of these focus on me and not on Christ. 
Therefore, while I can see why you would say those things, if you take the emphasis off of Christ, I, I, it's, it, it, don't take the emphasis off of Christ. Okay? I don't know. I don't know. Certainly these three things don't seem to come back in the crucifixion story, right? We don't, we don't have a passage about Mary unwrapping carefully preserved 30-year-old gifts at his crucifixion, so what did they get used for? Um, I, I don't know. To pay for the Egypt trip, maybe? Um, or other things? I, I really don't know. I don't know. But they were the, and we also don't know how much there was. You know, was, was gold a, a bag of gold, a chest of gold, or was it a couple of coins? You know, what would they have brought? You know, how much frankincense, was it a, a, a little package, you know, or was it a whole treaty? You know, and, and, so, and, and I'm, so I'm not really sure how much they brought. All right, let's continue here with verse 12 and following. So now we go to, or rather, they had been warned in a dream not to return to Herod. So God giving them a dream to tell them to go home a different way. They went back to their own country by another route. Um, very likely they were mounted, and I would guess that camels would be the appropriate thing. They're just not mentioned in the Bible, but they go home a different way. They just don't go through Jerusalem, and there are plenty of other ways to, to go uh, over the Fertile Crescent besides through Jerusalem. I mean, they certainly could have gone the route that Ruth and, and uh, Naomi took and crossed near Jericho and just gone up that way and so forth. So who knows? They went home a different way. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.